Hey, this morning we are blessed to have a first-time visitor with us. Oh, good grief, and I forgot his name. Is it Cole? Cole Conant is here this morning. Cole is four weeks old. And it's good to have Drew and Paige here along with Cole. So welcome, Cole. I was told my challenge is to keep him awake during the sermon. So, and probably the rest of you guys too, you know, it's like kind of, anyway, hey, very good. All right, well, this morning's sermon could be summed up by a little song. It's called Faith, 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 Just a Little Bit of Faith. Any guys familiar with that song? Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot, just use what you got. You guys are like, what? Well, you know, I'm I'm glad because I was going to say, well, that's the theme of the sermon, now we can all go home. But since you guys don't know it, now you got to listen to the sermon, okay? So... As Pastor Jesse mentioned last week, we are now into the second half of the book of Mark. The first half of the book builds up to the passage where Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And the whole first eight chapters of the book of Mark is about Jesus doing miracles and proving that he is the Messiah. And so that leads up to the end of chapter 8. And we are now into chapter 9 in the book of Mark. And the second half of the book changes from Jesus is proving he's the Messiah to Jesus now teaching his followers important lessons that they will need to know because Jesus is not always going to be with them. So here are some things that you need to know because I'm not always going to be here. And so we're going to be taking a look at Mark chapter 9, and we'll look at verses 14 to 29 today. So turn your Bibles or your devices to Mark 9. If you don't have one uh, Bible, there are some in the chairs in front of you. Um, If you need a Bible, we have some in the library that we are giving out to anyone who needs a Bible as well. So if you need a Bible, see me, and I can get you a Bible from our library that you may keep and take home with you. Mark 9, verse 14 says this. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Okay, let's set the setting here, okay? When they came to the other disciples, well, who? Well, we need to go back to verse 2 in chapter 9 and realize that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain. And we call this experience the transfiguration. So there were nine disciples that were left at the bottom of the mountain, probably around Caesarea Philippi, the town that they were near. And so there were these nine disciples that were left at the bottom where Peter, James, and John, and Jesus went up to a high mountain. 
Now, Caesarea Philippi was a kind of a small town, but Herod Philip, one of the Caesars, is like, ah, hey, you know what? Um, I like this little place. Let me do something and build it up. So he built up this small town and made it a larger town. And since he made it a larger town, he added the Caesarea, he added his name, Philippi or Philip. So we have this town where the nine disciples were hanging out at while uh, Peter, James, and John were up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, we have Peter, James, and John coming with Jesus, and it says, when they came to the other disciples, as they were walking towards them, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. And as we know from other New Testament passages, the teachers of the law were the scribes, and they were there arguing, or as some translations say, they were debating with the disciples. Well, why were they debating or arguing with the disciples? We'll get to that point. Just hold that thought. So you have the disciples of Jesus surrounded by this great crowd. Now, probably it started with They saw the disciples, so what did people think when they saw the group of disciples? Well, Jesus must be there too, because these are his followers, and Jesus must be there in this crowd. But he wasn't. (laughs) He was up on Mount Hermon for the transfiguration. So you had this large crowd probably looking for Jesus, but he's not there. And I'm sure that this crowd was, you know, ah, man, kind of disappointed because they were looking for Jesus and he wasn't there. Verse 15 says, As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Sure, the star arrived. The main attraction, Jesus has arrived. You know, it's sort of like when I come to a junior high Bible study and I walk in. All the kids are like, wow, Pastor Steve is here. (laughs) Okay, not really. They're like, oh, are you teaching tonight? That's how it usually goes. Uh, We have a great time. But it's the star arrived. It's like, yes, yes. So they ran to him. (laughs) And it's funny how, how Mark describes it. They were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. As I thought about that, it's like, wait, why? Why were they overwhelmed with with wonder? And I wonder if (laughs) Jesus was still glowing from the transfiguration. Go back to verse 3 in chapter 9. What does it say? What does it say in verse 3? It says that Jesus' clothes became dazzling white. Whiter than any in the world could bleach them. Sounds like a great commercial for Clorox, doesn't it? Um, I I just wonder if, you know, Jesus starts walking towards this crowd and it's like, whoa, he's dazzling white. And they were amazed and there was wonder there. I don't know. I don't know. You know, in Exodus 34, 29, it says this. When 
When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, it's up on the screen in case you're wondering, um, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. So in this instance, with Moses, the radiance carried on more than just being with Jesus. I just kind of wonder if the people were amazed because Jesus was still glowing. But they ran to Jesus. They ran to him in wonder and amazement. Verse 16. As Jesus approaches the crowd, he says, hey, what are you arguing with them about? Now, we don't know who Jesus is asking specifically. We don't know whether Jesus is asking the disciples. We don't know if Jesus is asking the the teachers of the law, the scribes. We don't know exactly who Jesus is asking. But he asks, hey, what are you arguing about? Do you see the response from the group? Nobody. (laughs) The disciples didn't say anything. Uh, The scribes, the teachers of the law, they they didn't say anything either. So I'm thinking there was kind of like an an awkward silence. Hey, what are you arguing about? And there was just nothing. You know, this hush over the crowd. Wonder why. Wonder why nobody said, well, it's because these people... There was silence. We'll answer that question in a little bit too. Verse 17 says... A man in the crowd answered. Whoa. A man answered. Says this. Verse 17. Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit. See, this man saw the disciples and he thought that Jesus was with him. So he says, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. So the poor child can't talk. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. (laughs) I wonder if uh, the reason the disciples didn't say anything was because They failed. They were embarrassed at not being able to cast out the spirit. And they weren't going to say anything because, you know, they they let the Lord down. If, If, well, yeah, let's go back to Mark chapter 6. If you look at Mark chapter 6, Verses 12 and 13, it says this about the disciples. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And that's 
That whole story leads up to Herod finding out, hey, all these things are happening. I'm hearing stories about how demons are being cast down. People are being healed by this this, this group of disciples, these Jesus followers. And, And that's when people said, well, maybe it's John the Baptist coming back from the dead. And that's how we get into the whole story of John the Baptist. So in Mark 6, the disciples were doing the same thing that this man has asked them to do. So what happened? What happened that they couldn't cast out this demon? They did it in chapter 6, but chapter 9, they couldn't. Eh, We'll get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Verse 19, look at Jesus' response. You unbelieving generation... How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. What do you hear in that response from Jesus? What do you hear? Do you hear some exasperation? Do do you hear some, some disappointment? Yeah, I do. I do. It's like, Really, guys? You, you couldn't do this? Jesus says, look, bring the boy to me, okay? Verse 20, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Boy, the evil spirit did his best to destroy the boy. When the spirit saw Jesus coming, he said it threw him down into convulsions. He was rolling around on the ground. Back earlier, we saw that the demon made the boy unable to speak. Wow. Imagine trying to be the parent of a child like that. Pretty tough. Pretty tough to deal with. No wonder the father, when he saw the group of disciples, said, I'm going to take my son to him. I I want him to be healed. He was probably at wit's end too, trying to deal with the boy. So the father brings him to Jesus. And the boy is on the ground, rolling around, foaming at the mouth. Now we come to verse 21. Look at this. Jesus asks the father, how long has he been like this? Do you find that an interesting question? Why would Jesus ask a question like that? I mean, wait. We believe that Jesus is God, right? He would know how long the boy was like this. He would know what the boy was dealing with. He would know every fact about the boy. So why does Jesus say, how long has the boy been like this? You know what I think? I think that Jesus wanted to enter into the father's story. To enter into what the father has been dealing with. 
For you see, Jesus is not just some power. Okay, I'm going to heal you, be healed, and that's it. Jesus is a person. Jesus has feelings. And I think he asked the father, tell me your story, sir. Tell me your story. You know what? Jesus is asking us that same question. So what's your story? Because Jesus wants to hear us tell our story to him. Not because he doesn't know it, but because he wants to enter into what we are feeling, what we are dealing with. So Jesus asks him, how long has the boy been like this? Hebrews 4.15 says this. It's up on the screen. It says, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses. See, Jesus is our high priest. He knows that we deal with some pretty tough stuff. And he wants to enter in to our story. I find that amazingly comforting to know that Jesus loves me that much, he cares for me that much, that he wants to know my story. He wants me to tell him my story. Well, the father responds. From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. And Father adds to the details of what he's been dealing with. The demon wants the boy dead. Can you imagine having to constantly watch him so that he doesn't drown, he doesn't burn himself to death? So now look what he says. He says, but... If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus says. <laughs> Wait. If you can? Like, seriously? You brought this boy to me, right? You, you're, you saw my disciples. You thought I was there. You brought this boy looking for healing. And now you say, if you can? Yeah. I think the father was struggling with belief in Jesus. So he says, look, <laughs> what I've been dealing with is really tough. What I've had to put up with has just been overwhelming to me. Look, <laughs> If you can do anything. Hmm. You know, if you look at other places in the New Testament, go back to Matthew, look at Matthew 8 too. It says this, A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There's a man coming and says, Lord, I know you can do it. Are you willing to do it? Matthew 8.8 8 
The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Man, what, are, what faith these people have been expressing here. Matthew 9, 18. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died. That's pretty devastating to have a child die. My daughter has just died. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. Isn't that awesome? These people coming with great faith to Jesus, saying, Lord, I know you can do something. Will you do it? And of course, Jesus did. But here's this father saying, if you can. Jesus replied, everything is possible for him who believes. Verse 24. Mark 9, 24. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, I, I see the father just, I do believe, I do believe. Please, please help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. Verse 25, 26, and 27. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, this is getting better all the time. The crowds are coming. He says, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. In Luke's account of this story. Luke said, and Jesus gave him back his son. What a touching picture there. So the disciples, verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? So how come we failed? How come, how come we couldn't do this? So apparently the disciples tried, but they just couldn't do it. <laughs> and they embarrassed themselves in front of this large crowd by not being able to do it. Look at verse 29. He replied, This kind can, only, can come out only by prayer. Jesus replied, This kind can only come out by prayer. So what's this story all about? Why does Mark record this story for us? What are we to learn from this story? Well, it's not a lesson on how to cast out demons or heal people. It's, it's not a story on how to get more faith. This is a lesson that he was 
trying to teach his disciples on how to access the power of God through the faith that they already have to accomplish his will. A faith that is seen in the spiritual discipline of prayer. See, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, well, guys, you just didn't have enough faith. If you would have had more faith, you would have done it. Jesus didn't say that. Even, even the Father, when he came to Jesus, you, you heard what he said. He said, if you can. Look, look my faith is weak. My faith is failing. Um, help my unbelief. So the point of the story is that our faith needs to be exercised in prayer because we are now relying on God to help us to deal with the things that we are dealing with in our life. John MacArthur says, prayer is the highway that faith takes into the power of God. Prayer is the highway that faith takes into the power of God. I wonder if the disciples thought, you know what? I, I, I know how to do this thing, this casting out demons. And their faith became in themselves, not in what not in the power of God. I wonder if they did not pray. Kind of sounds that way. Warren Wiersbe says this about this passage. Why had the nine disciples failed? Because they had been careless in their spiritual walk and neglected prayer. The authority that Jesus gave them was effective only if exercised by faith, but faith must be cultivated through the spiritual discipline and devotion of prayer. He goes on to say about this, this story, he said that their failure was not only an embarrassment to them. See, that's why I think the scribes were debating them or arguing with them. Hey, why couldn't you guys do that? Huh? Come on. What's up? Yeah, you guys did it before. We heard about it, and now you can't, huh? What? Yeah. Their failure is not only an embarrassment to them, but it robbed God the glory that he would have gotten if the disciples did it in the right way. Because of their failure, it only gave the enemy the opportunity to criticize and make fun of the disciples. Maybe it was because of a self-sufficient attitude and a trust in their own abilities that kept the disciples from, from praying and asking God, kept them from recognizing who the power really comes from, God, not themselves. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel an awful lot like the Father. 
you, you're dealing with things in your life and you're like, oh, man, I'm at my wit's end. <laughs> I don't know if I have enough faith to make it through. I don't know if I have enough faith to deal with this. And Jesus, like, come with your weak faith. Come with the little faith that you have. And exercise your faith by praying, by pouring out your heart to me. I found it interesting that Jesus' response to his disciples when they asked, Why did we fail? Because you didn't pray. It's not a matter of, I need more faith. It's a matter of taking the faith that we have and praying to the one who has the power, who has the ability to give us the help that we need. So are you showing your faith through prayer? Maybe some of us need to be like the boy's father <laughs> and say, look, help my unbelief. Help me, God. Help me. Because I have such little faith. Well, you can start by praying. We can start by coming to God who has the power coming to God through our prayers. That's the story. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. Exercised through praying to the one who has the power to change things. Are you a praying person? The good part is we can ask God to help us. We can ask God to remind us. Just like the Father did. Help my unbelief. Are you a praying person? Exercising your faith in God to help you deal with the things that you are dealing with in life. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this story, for this reminder that, God, you have the power. Lord, thanks for the reminder that we can access your power through our prayers, because our prayers put our focus on you. It shows our belief our faith in you. So God, help us in our unbelief to pray. To pray and trust you, God, to work out your plan in our lives. Father, we're thankful that Jesus Christ made it all possible through his death on the cross so that we can have access to you, Father God. Lord, make us a praying people.
Help us to not rely on ourselves. But through our prayers, show that we trust you. God, you are so good. And we thank you for this reminder today of what we need to do as your disciples, as your followers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand again, please, and join us in song. You are good. You